Hey guys, and welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh Fitness Podcast. So, you may have realized or noticed over the last kind of couple of weeks, I have been on a number of different podcasts, which has been amazing, very, very humbling. So, this episode is a blurb or an extract uh, from an episode I did with uh, on the D&D Talk uh, podcast with one, uh, two of my good mates, uh, Derek and Stephen Dallas. So, this is a podcast I want to support because Dallas is, is one of my good mates and so is Derek and I want to support this as much as I can. So this is the episode that we recorded. You may have seen it come out probably a week or week and a half ago on the podcast already. So if you've listened to it already, amazing. You may learn something new and may be able to take something else from this episode. So hopefully you enjoy it um, and if you can support it in any way, please do. We have Shane Walsh Fitness on the podcast. Welcome Shane. Thank you very much for having me, see. I'm really, uh, really excited and really humbled that you've uh, invited me on. Uh, he's an absolute, truly wonderful man and also the author of the No, what's it, No Bullshit no, Approach no, to Female the no, nah, What's the fitness injury doesn't want you to know? The No Nonsense Approach to Female Fat Loss. There you go. I think that just rhymes off straight away. I think that to what today's podcast was going to be all kind of catered around more female driven in terms of some of the things that a lot of females struggle with, where do they struggle with and why do they struggle with some of the things. So in your opinion, um, what is one of the biggest things that females often struggle with when it comes to kind of weight loss or training in the gym or anything in general, really? I think one, there's a few things like it's such an open question. Um, so I would do my best to kind of hone it in. Um, I think one of the biggest things that can happen to a girl or a female when she's trying to lose weight is is comparing her journey to a man or a male. Males will lose weight a hell of a lot quicker. So in the space, if you have a man and a woman are trying to lose weight and they have one month or four weeks to lose weight, a man will probably lose weight a hell of a lot quicker because of the hormonal fluctuations that a girl will have. There'll be probably a girl should probably only diet for two weeks of the month, the mm. non week before and the week of their cycle, because it's a little bit more water in their bodies. Their cravings are a little bit more, so they need to fuel their bodies up. So if I'm trying to get from Dublin to Galway on half a tank, that's essentially what's happening to a girl's body. They need to increase their food or need to increase their, their fruit, their fiber, their vegetables, all that kind of stuff to increase their water and actually understand how to train around their cycle as well, which is the other one that kind of happens an awful lot. Girls, when I kind of talk to girls on their welcome call and stuff like that, it's one of the main questions that I ask. Do you, is there a time in the month where you feel quite weak? Is there a time in the month that you feel quite tired and jaded? And once you kind of explain it to them, they're like, this makes so much sense. Why was I not taught this in school? And I'm like, yeah. that's the bit I don't understand. So like particularly for some girls can train a little bit harder the week before and some girls can train a little bit harder the week of. It depends. Everything a girl is different. And that's the number one thing that I have learned from this industry and working with girls predominantly since I started. I know when I first mm. started doing it, I started coaching girls. It was like, oh, girls are the same. Everyone's going to get the same thing. But there was an epiphany moment from listening to a podcast that with with the PCOS nutritionist, she's like every single girl is different. And there's another amazing girl called Dr. Stacy Sims, that women mm. are not small men. And that's the quote that stands out. Women are not small men. Your bodies are completely different. Each body is different. Even each girl is different. And it's so so important that you 
latch onto that and embrace your uniqueness that some girls can have issues with their cycles like polycystic ovary syndrome they can have endometriosis they can have amenorrhea and it's so so important there are other ones as well but they're so they're so important that you understand how to fuel your body around those times if you don't you will struggle to train to have a normal life which you can definitely have on any of those situations or with any of those conditions mm. and it's about trying to manage those as best you can yeah i think it like you've done it very well and kind of in kind of explained to a lot of people that a lot of people do believe that females are you know just a little version of men you know whatever a, a male can do females can do the same you know it's it, the whole kind of ideology does need to kind of change to the understanding that they're separate entities with their own ways of doing things and therefore the comparisons truly never need to occur like do you find that a lot of females end up comparing themselves to male counterparts or some form in their life i think a lot of girls but this is not a sweeping statement it is going to sound like a sweeping statement i do apologize for anyone listening to this but i think a lot of girls in particular can compare their journeys to anyone they can compare their journey to mary down the road or joanne or, or john down the road hmm. without really understanding where their own starting point was or where that other person's starting point was so potentially if if a man is at 96 kilos i don't know where to pick that figure out of my head and the male is at 96 kilos the male will be able to lose weight a little bit quicker because he hasn't got to increase his calories for two weeks he'll have a little bit more testosterone in his body. So he'll be able to push himself a little bit harder at, at, at certain exercises hmm. while girls may need to step off for a week. And I think girls can also, and males as well, I think a lot of things that can happen is a lot of self-compassion issues and self-acceptance of where their bodies are and negative self-talk. I think men do have issues with body dysmorphia, but I think girls have some issues with body dysmorphia. There are certain times of the, the month when a little bit of brain fog or a little bit of PMS brain can come into it. Yeah. And that's when negative speak comes into it and you start to scroll on Instagram. You start to talk to your mates or don't talk to your mates and lock yourself away. Start looking at magazines or start looking at other people's journeys in the gym and getting almost body envy mm. and then almost creating this self prophecy of self a story yourself around how you think you should look when almost you should kind of concentrate on what way you feel comfortable, what way you feel in your clothes rather than concentrating on the scales. The scales for girls in particular is one of those things that it uh, it's it still baffles me on a daily basis. Some of the comments that come back regarding the scales. Yeah. The scales is known as the sad step. It is has been created as like one of these things that is used as a the be all and end all when it is ultimately a tool to use it's an accessory that we can use to monitor weight loss but it doesn't necessarily monitor fat loss it's one of these things that there are certain brands or certain products like weight watchers and slimmer world that weigh you in in front of people and almost shame you if you don't weigh a certain weight or if you haven't lost three five six seven eight nine pounds mm. that that person's probably had to starve themselves for and it's almost creating a competition of it. And if you look at Ireland's Biggest Loser or whatever it's called, um, whatever that show is called, um, they weigh people in. And if they don't understand how their body's fluctuating, I remember there was two of the guests came in back to back, two ladies came in back to back and they stepped foot on the scales and they remained the same weight. They didn't understand. And then when they went to 
the GP on the panel, she was like, where are you on your week off? And then it was like, well, you're carrying a little bit more water. And then as soon as they, the, 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 the whole thing with the next week, what happened was they had lost probably six or seven pounds. They were just carrying a little bit more water the week of. So my advice with the scales and stuff like that is probably don't go on at the week of. If you find that you are letting that piece of plastic or piece of metal upset you, I would probably stay off it and work off photos, work off measurements, work off your energy levels, work off your clothes. You don't go into a shop to look for a size 70 kilos. You go into a shop looking for a size 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, whatever it may be. And that's what I like my girls in particular to focus on mm. trying to create a, an empowering body image that works for them. Some girls want to have the glutes and the quads. Some yeah. girls just want to feel comfortable. Some girls want to potentially get rid of the mum tum. Every girl is different. And as soon as girls can realize that, that every journey, every girl is different. The mindset changes for a hell of a lot of them. No, I totally agree with that. I do want to kind of backtrack just a little bit because there was an interesting aspect there where you were talking about in terms of for females in general, sometimes dieting for two weeks and dieting for non-two weeks. Can you talk a little bit more about that for the audience? Yeah, it's like generally kind of like from working with kind of hundreds and hundreds of women at this stage, the the biggest thing is that, as I've said numerous times already, is that it is very, very different from each one. Like the, there are kind of main four different phases of the cycle. Uh, there's the menstrual cycle, there's the follicular phase, the ovulation phase, and the luteal phase. When I first started coaching, I never thought I'd be watching three-hour lectures on menstrual cycles, by the way. And my mates find this hilarious that I will openly talk about this. Um, and I probably know too much at this stage. Um, but the, the, the menstrual kind of phase is kind of the first stage of the cycle. Uh, it's ultimately when you kind of get your period. This is kind of when an egg from the previous cycle isn't fertilized um, and you may kind of get period cramps. You may get tender breasts, bloating, mood swings, uh, headaches, tiredness, lower back pain. And that seems to be the the main kind of ones that kind of come up. Mm. On average, this phase kind of lasts for three to seven days. Uh, Some women can have prolonged periods of this as well. Then there's the second phase, which is the follicular phase. This starts on the first day of your period. Uh, so there is, there can be some overlap with your menstrual cycle. Yeah. Um, it starts with, there's a part of your brain called the hypothalamus and that is your signal regulator. And once that goes out of whack, you're, it's not ideal. And that's basically when hypothalamic amenorrhea, there's a lot of big words about to come out of my mouth, guys. I do apologize. And that's generally, if that signal is off, that's when amenorrhea is, happens and occurs. And that is lack of a cycle. But the biggest thing for follicular phase, it it lasts for around 16 days and can range from 11 to 27 days, depending on the actual cycle. Then there's the ovulation phase, which is where the estrogen levels kind of rise up uh, and your pituitary gland releases LH, which is a luteinizing hormone. And this is the the, kind of the the start of the ovulation phase. Um, You may occur, may have a slight increase in your body temperature and there might be a little bit more kind of discharge and something like that. It kind of generally lasts for around kind of 24 hours and happens at around day 14 if you have a kind of a normal 28 day cycle. So I would encourage girls to to kind of use an app uh, to kind of track their cycles and uh, yeah. it's really really helpful it really really understands how you should train and all, all that kind of stuff and then you've got your luteal phase which is kind of generally where the pms side of things come in mm. um and this is where the follicle releases its egg um and 
bloating, breast swelling, pain, headache, mood swings, all that kind of stuff happens and generally lasts for 11 to 17 days. And the average length is around 14 days. Mm. But there are so many different things that kind of play into factors. Some people don't have a regular cycle. Some people have more than 28 day cycle. And it's about understanding where your sweet point is. And that's why I recommend to, to get one of the apps uh that can can definitely help on that with regarding your training and stuff like that which you mentioned generally the week before you may have a little bit more energy Mm. you may find that you need a little bit more fuel so some of the research would say that you need probably about another 200 calories to say around 1600 calories a day the research would say probably about to increase that up to 200 by 200 calories so bring it up to 1800 calories people dependent you may find you have a little bit more cravings. Your hunger may increase. So when your hunger increases, what we don't want to do is heap a load of carbohydrates in. Carbohydrates are not evil. They're not the devil. But what I'm saying is what happens when you have a lot of carbohydrates in, it can raise up your sugar levels and then crash them back down. And then you're going to be hungry 20 seconds later. What I would encourage you to do is try to focus on trying to get a little bit more protein into your body, which is going to keep you fuller, trying to get a little bit more vegetables into your body which will keep your stomach full as well and try to focus on getting fruit. Your body cannot differentiate between the sugar it gets from fruit and the sugar it gets from, say, carbohydrates or sweets or anything like that. So if you can get something in like fruit and stuff like that, include your two squares of dark chocolate or whatever it may be. And one of the ones that I, the tricks I use with the girls is a bit of Greek yogurt, two squares of dark chocolate, blueberries, blackberries, strawberries, a bit of chia seeds and flax seeds into a bowl absolute game changer you're getting your fiber hit you're getting your calcium hit you're getting your protein hit you're getting your chocolate hit uh, and you're getting your sugar hit as well and it's cost absolute flip all for doing that yeah uh, and that uh, and then on the week of girls can vary from either having intense pain or they can be fine it, it, it it's completely different on that week you may need to scale back your training you mm-hmm. may be a little bit weaker or you may be able to push yourself everyone's so different this is the week before I would try to increase your training, see where your your kind of increase it and see where your PBs and that kind of on your personal bets are. The week of I would generally probably try to scale back and use that as just getting things done. What research has shown is by doing some form of exercise can shorten the pain window, can shorten the window of the cycle um by doing some sort of exercise. It doesn't say what exercise, but what it does say is if you go out for a walk. Walking is underrated with anyone's journey. If you're building muscle or losing weight, it's so, so underrated. Great for clearing the head, especially if you're having that brain fog or that PMS brain. It's mm. so, so key. If you have a dog or a kid, bring them for a walk. Drink, drink, increase your water on the week of as well because you may feel a little bit more bloating. Looking at your fruit, all that kind of stuff again, keeping it up at the higher level of your calories. If you need it, some girls don't get hungry. Some girls do. So it's it's listening to your body on that side of things. So hopefully that's enough detail. No, most definitely. I think for anyone going through listening to that, it's going to give you a lot of more things to focus on um, and start actually paying attention to your, how your body truly reacts. Because I think very few know whether they can push in their kind of um, period week or whether they can push the week before. I think it's, it, as you said, it's very dependent and very few are willing to track that information just momentarily to see what occurs, you know? Yeah, I would 100%. Like, I, it's like 
I kind of comparing a girl trying to understand her body of like a mechanic not understanding how to fix a car or run a car. If you don't know if you don't know if your car is a diesel or a petrol, you you could be in for some trouble. If you put petrol into, if you've ever done it, it's not going to go very well. So you need to fuel yourself correctly. You need to understand about kind of training hard during the follicular phase, proceedings usually during menstruation, and kind of making sure you're getting adequate rest and understanding that it's okay to be tired. Mm. It's okay to be feeling a little bit blur, and understanding that every single one of you guys is so different. Yeah. And then use like from that, actually, um, you were saying it's okay to feel tired. It's okay to feel down and not, not willing to try and do things that you normally would. Do you find that there's a specific way to get majority of the women who are experiencing that out of that position? Do you do different ways of like employing them to maybe exercise more? Or what do you do in that situation with um, your female clients? In relation to the mindset and kind of around the PMS side of things. So what I'm a huge advocate of, and you'll know this from us being mates and stuff. I'm a huge advocate of journaling and one during lockdown, we've all, we've all had different stages of ups and downs during lockdown. We all have. And if you haven't, you're not human. Um, you're a robot. Uh, but I, what I've given is the girls, I've given the clients a journal, um, to use. And if they want to use it, what I try to say to them is like, try to plan your days, try to control the controllables and try to say, right, I'm going to go out for a walk at this time. A lot of people are working from home, being pulled left, right and center by work. But if you have your non-negotiable every single day by kind of going out for a walk and winning that day, even when you're at, you're at your lowest mood and you can have that small enough win of going out for your walk, it, it, it releases endorphins. It gets you out of your head. It gets you out of a fog, a, a kind of a stuffy room, and it gets you away from scrolling on your phone. If you're finding that social media is having an impact on your on your mind, there's an app called Freedom which can block it on certain times. And I try to advocate that as well mm. to anyone. Um, and I wouldn't advocate anything that I didn't do myself. And that's why I encourage that. The other thing is, if you are struggling mentally, mentally, I would also encourage you to try and not become an introvert and try to actually go proactively out go and see friends if you're going for walks and stuff like that it's a little bit weird with the two meter rule or whatever it is at the minute but you can still go out and potentially or even ring a friend pop a message but don't become a recluse don't just sit there watching netflix there's nothing wrong with sitting there and watching netflix but try to even get your walk in even half an hour out and do that mm. you will always feel better after doing some sort of exercise yeah it doesn't have to be burpees it doesn't have to be that it doesn't have to be jumping around a living room Sometimes the sessions that you don't want to do turn out to be the best kind of sessions. Hmm. I get you. And then in terms of when you're finding like when a lot of the women go through the journaling and kind of do what they're trying to do in that sense, in terms of the exercise and journeying, going out and doing different things and talking with other people, do you find that they see a rapid like kind of increase in their endorphins but also see a, a better feeling with how they then correspond with the feeling of tiredness from the periods and, and all the associated symptoms or do you yeah i think i think especially i think especially with the the walking and stuff like that it's i think we up we big up exercise we put it up on a pedestal we don't really accept it for what it is as a way of kind of clearing the head and i think once they've kind of got that out of their head and they understand that kind of walking can actually help with your mental health, 
Mm. I think that takes a lot of pressure off them saying, right, I've actually shown up today. I've actually tried to win the day rather than just trying to get through the day. Yeah. If you have your schedule working around you and you have your non-negotiables, if you're in any way competitive, and I know a lot of my clients who are potentially listening to this are quite competitive, mm. it's almost like you want to try and win the day by, I know sometimes you'll have days that you don't want to do anything, but just showing up, trying to look after yourself and having some empathy towards yourself. Yeah. Try having one of those days, do not step foot on the scales if you're in a bad place mentally, mm. because ultimately you could be carrying a little bit more water. You could be feeling a little bit more blur, could be a little bit more bloated. And if you're already in a bad headspace by stepping on the scales, you're not going to, you're not going to help yourself with that regard. And one of my clients will famously always quote me back and say, you're going to poke the bear if you step on the scales on your time of the month and that's nobody wants to poke the bear the, the poked bear is not a fun person to be around and i think partners and stuff like that can learn from this side of things as well other halves and families can understand from this as well if you're if you're really really in pain don't be afraid to go and get some painkillers as well there's yeah. no there's no shame in actually having to go and get painkillers in order to do that some girls get incredibly incredibly bad pa pains and cramps and some don't get them at all. It's luck of the draw. Um, and I think if you can control what you're either inputting into your mind and in putting doing to your body and controlling what's going into your 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 mouth with the fruit, the vegetables, the water, decent wholesome foods, and including the little bit of chocolate, but including the little bit of chocolate doesn't mean eating like an ass. Yeah. It's quite easy to do that when you're having those cravings. Yeah. But I think if you can pause and kind of say after two squares of dark chocolate, do I really want to have the rest? I'm actually hungry or am I just eating this because I'm quite emotional? Mm. And that's a game changer for a lot of the girls as well. When they kind of say to themselves, you know what? I'm actually fulfilled enough with these two squares of dark chocolate. And there's a really good book with called the, the joy of half a cookie, which is really good for that kind of mindful eating side of things. It can be a little bit wishy-washy. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> but it is really helpful to, to understand how to actually enjoy food rather than being one of these people that just goes and loads pops in a load of food for the crack. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'm definitely uh, one of those, but then it also comes down to, I think it's, it's trying to teach some of the women better methods to cope than they currently have. And I think cause like majority of majority of us have grown up with you're forced to eat the food on the plate. Like, you know, when you're having a bad time, you've watched parents go and shovel food down and like food is a amazing thing. It really is amazing, but it's also when it gets used in the sense of how to say it, like taking your pain and, emotions away that's when it starts getting iffy for kind of making you better but it's also in the same sense making things worse so i was like mm. it's also kind of a crazy thing and using that like have you given some of your female clients any more mindful ways of eating or do you find there are some ways that work best for a certain client or not um, so I'd rather kind of say to my clients, rather you're better having a, an inclusive regime or, a, or a, an inclusive diet on mm. particularly on those kind of two weeks mm. rather than trying to restrict yourself. And so in, that's why I say with kind of including the, the, the chocolates, including if you're a savory person, including the pancakes, 
mm. in your in your diet rather than trying to say oh i can't have this i shouldn't have this and that's more tiring that adds more stress onto your body that, that has to be very very tiring kind of saying this good and bad food and as soon as you try it like food doesn't have a moral compass so i don't know how it can be a good or bad thing and it must be really really tiring potentially going out for meals meals and stuff like that is very very hard to manage for a lot of people mm. um and it's it, people big it up and are almost expecting themselves to fail and then when they fail they're like oh it's happened again rather than kind of being educated and taught how to and listening to their actual bodies asking themselves oh i actually want this food actually want the dessert and the main course i actually want this glass of wine i wouldn't probably encourage drinking around your cycle it's probably going to make you a little bit more dehydrated it's going to make you a little bit more tired when you're already at tiredness levels and can make you a little bit more irritable but i'm not going to tell anyone how to run their body if they understand their bodies by all means but from working with hundreds and hundreds of girls at this stage alcohol probably wouldn't be my recommendation it's also not ideal for the mental health side of things if your headspace ain't great alcohol ain't gonna help yeah i think a lot a lot of people don't look into that aspect it's like no alcohol is there to aid my life and can actually make me feel better it's like momentarily sure but the negative effects that come from it is like far away the benefits and like that benefit is only for a period of time that you're currently drinking so it's like a little bit questionable in that sense i think that's where like in terms of like with my female clients i'd like to go when you're gonna have alcohol pick a certain day that's when you're gonna do it so you're like oh look i like drinking alcohol it's like okay pick a day in the week and they're like uh saturday you're like perfect no other alcohol any other time when it comes to your time of the month i was like well okay no alcohol not yeah but it's gonna it's like it's not helping it's taking away yeah and i think people don't people don't like being told what to do people as kids when you're told not to press the big red button what are you going to do press that big red button and that big red button more often than not is kind of a glass of wine so if you can help yourself at all i would probably as you have said and alluded to is if you're quite a social person like a lot of people are playing catch up now with social occasions but do you really need to drink three four times a week in order to have a social life no you really don't need to drink full stop. So I don't drink. I'm not, I don't tell my clients not to drink what I advise them to do or I can only advise them what to do, which is if you want to go out and have fun, amazing. But I wouldn't advise it at this certain time of the month. Yeah. There's no, the only difference between you getting to where you want to go and have it and kind of going out in the piss and stuff like that is you will, it'll take a little bit longer you'll get probably get frustrated and you probably won't feel amazing about yourself. You'll feel tired for probably until like the, if you went on the Friday or the Saturday, you're probably going to be tired until the Wednesday, probably haven't done any of your sessions. And it's about asking yourself, what's your priority right now? Mm. Are you your priority or is dick living with kind of, or dictating to social norms about being able to drink? There's so many things you don't have to do to drink. There's so many things that we have, like the weather is okay at the minute. You can go out for walks. You can go grab a cup of coffee. You could like, if you want to drink on the weekends, amazing, go ahead. 
but to do it three, four times a week, you ain't going to help yourself. Yeah. And do you find that a lot of women in general, when it comes to these things, use more of a social norm to allow themselves to do it? They use it as a justifying cause so they can keep doing it? Yeah, I'd say, I wouldn't say girls are alone on this. I think some people aren't comfortable in their own skin that they feel that drink brings them out of their shell. They feel a pressure to be the entertainer Mm. from experience that some people feel that they are the person that people want to be around when they're drunk. Yeah. Um, And that is a lot of pressure to build up to, but it's also potentially a story that you've created in your head. Mm. If they're your real friends, they can accept you for someone that doesn't drink or doesn't drink as often, or you're always going to get the the comments of, Oh, don't be a banter sponge or don't be um, a dry shite. Like you don't want, nobody wants to be called those things. Hmm. But if you do it the first time, you might get a bit of backlash. Second time, you'll get less backlash. Third or fourth time, they'll accept you for what you are trying to do. And potentially if you have like a two, three, four friends, potentially say it to those people and say, right, this is what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to better myself. I'm trying to look after my health a little bit more. I haven't been looking after myself for quite a while. And this is why I'm trying to do it. Explain your why. Not that you need justification from your friends, mm. but if they're your real friends, they'll understand what you're trying to do. Meals out is quite hard to manage when you're doing that because you don't want to be the person that's having a salad. You also don't want to really be the person that's having the burger and the chips. What you want to try and find is you want to have a meal that you thoroughly enjoy and be able to relax and sit down and kind of chill out, no phone, and actually enjoy who you're talking to. Enjoy your food and not have to worry about it. And, and that can be included within your weight loss journey. It's not like it has 100%. to be. So like, I, I do think it is an interesting aspect. It's like when you start looking at like health in a more broad sense, instead of going like, I have to lose weight to get here, the social interactions come into place. And so you can do these things and still carry on in your goal. It's like you have a better understanding of what you're doing. So therefore you can get to the goal. And then I think like from what you were talking on in terms of stories people tell themselves i think most of us i think like we are like i know you and myself we often narrate our stories in a certain aspect we're like oh yes okay this is how we see things when in reality it's truly not now i know our clients do the exact same things so what are some of the biggest things that they often tell themselves when it comes to it i think the biggest one is that they're not they're not enough or they're not worthy to feel and look the way they want. And that more often than not, from my experience anyway, it has stemmed from either grandparents or parents and how they have struggled with their weight or they have been quite strict with their food and they've brought that onto their kids. And then that's going to be knocked on to the next generation. So the biggest thing about showing and trying to do weight loss is understanding why you are doing it and not saying that you're doing this because of someone has told you to do it and someone's called you fat. Nobody likes to be called those names. That's fact. But you need to understand that you want to look and feel better, showing yourself self-compassion and understanding that it's not that I'll be happy when. Mm. It's you need to understand that you should be happy now in the body that you are in, the person that you are, the body of the voice that you have, 
and every person needs to realize that they are so so important this i'll be happy when mentality seems to happen an awful lot for girls in particular it also happens with lads i have been guilty of it we are all guilty of it for me it's more so on like the business side of things mm. but for people it's like oh i'll be happy when i'm a certain weight they're almost future predicting they're wasting their energy on saying that they're going to be happy when they're actually say 70 kilos that's a number I picked out of my head again but when they get to 70 kilos they get to and they're like oh this is it and then they want more and then they want more but where does it stop it's almost you have to try and focus on you understanding the internals well, I had a, had a phone call with one of the girls during the week and her reason why and her self-compassion reason why was she's a busy mom with three kids and there's a fair old age gap between the three kids. And she wants to be one of these moms that's able to run around with her her kids and be able to play football and not be the the potentially overweight mom mm. uh, that isn't able to run around or have any energy. And that's an amazing why. But that also has to come from giving yourself enough time for yourself. Most people will put other people first. And I think that also happens with parents, in particular moms, yeah. is that they are they're very very good at looking after their kids but when it comes to their own mental health their own self-compassion their own empathy towards themselves their own food they neglect it mm. i'm not a parent so i know i i can't tell you how to parent but i can see it from my mates that have kids it's not easy but they make it work my mates that have kids they make it work they say they have a plan they say right this is my time or half an hour in the morning to go out for a walk this is my time for me to get my head cleared, go to the gym or go to the spa or meet up with the girls. And it's about kind of, we're so, so busy all the time that we are so amazing at planning our calendars, so amazing at planning our social life, but we don't make enough time for ourselves. And that's where the self-compassion and empathy kind of comes in as well. I've gone a complete tangent. No, I love it. it like I, That's the beauty of this. It's, it's giving you the raw, honest truth what it comes to making your life better. It's not just simply looking at, you know, how much lettuce am I eating? Yes, I got 10,000 steps today and, you know, I wrote in the journal. It's, it's the culmination of everything into it. It's the, the self-acceptance on the way you can do and how you do these things. Like, and as you were speaking there about it, it's the why is a big aspect it's the continuous cycle of I'm going to jump in and keep following the road and the road is going to get me to where I want to go. But you realize that all you're doing is you're on a racetrack. You're just going around in circles and circles. Yes, the, the point of weight loss has changed, but you're still on the racetrack and you're still going in circles and you've yet to have a step off and realize that there's still a world out there. You know, and I think it, it is a, a big thing to overcome that aspect. But when it does, I think like you've seen it, I've seen it. When that, as soon as that click comes in, it's like there is more to life. And I also truly need to be compassionate for myself. Then dieting process starts to change. How they see the world, what they want to do, what they can do for others changes. It's like the aspect of, like, you know, like if you're in a terrible place, how are you expected to give full help to somebody else? How are you meant to help somebody else if you can't physically help yourself? But people are like, yes, but I can still do it. It's like, but you're not giving everything the other person could potentially get, which could help them. You're giving a half-baked gift. 
Yeah, like if you're like if you're if you're really really low on energy and you're in a bad mood and you're really yeah you're not sleeping great, you're not really any use to anyone, let alone yourself. And generally, a lot of people forget the basics when they are on any weight loss journey or any journey or any life. We always neglect neglect sleep. Like I, you know this. I will get off my phone at eight p.m. I have my second phone now. Both phones go into the office. I'm not. I don't look at my phone after 8 p.m. And there is a direct correlation from the bags from from going from underneath my eyes. Stephen was one of those that once was the one that saw me at my lowest form in December, November, December, um, when I was sleep deprived. You can't play catch up with sleep. You can't. It's not. It doesn't work like that. But what you can do is make sure that you are getting adequate sleep. If you're not getting enough sleep, it's impacting your cravings. It's impacting your mood. It's impacting your food choices. Your hunger hormone will go into overdrive. Your fullness hormone will go into, it will downregulate a little bit. And you're going to reach for those high carbohydrate foods. Carbs are not bad, by the way. But you're going to reach for those kind of like crisps, all that kind of stuff. And then you'll be kind of wondering before you know, it's kind of like, all right, I've just eaten a whole pack of the 12 pack of crisps. What have I done? And it's about not really understanding what you're trying to do. You are just coasting. You're kind of floating and without real having any real direction with the whole reason why you want to do something, why you want to help someone, why why can't you help yourself? If you don't help yourself, you ain't going to be able to help anybody. Yeah. I think it's, it's probably one of the few big takeaways. Like there's a lot to take away in this for anyone listening, but it is the big thing that you need to realize that you truly need to take the time for yourself for any form of journey. Yeah. And I think if you are really, really struggling with the likes of mental health issues or binge eating and stuff like that, there are services out there. There are counseling services and there's no shame in going to those. And I have no problem in talking to my clients and saying, right, I think we, there's an underlying issue here. I think we need to go and talk to someone and they're always a bit taken aback that I'm so like open about it. Mm. So, so, so open for me to refer them out to someone. Yeah. I'm going to stay in my lane. Yeah. I understand what's going on with the body and all that kind of stuff, but there's always going to be stuff to learn. But I have no problem in staying in my lane when it comes to the side of the binge eating stuff. I'm not a dietitian. I'm a nutritionist. Mm-hmm. I understand the mind, some of the mindset stuff to it, but I would rather someone get the help at the, the right help at the very, very start so we can get to the root of the problem and then using those little techniques alongside what they've been told to try and implement them into their life. Yeah. And then you're also ensuring that the person has not only a better journey, but it also allows them to be a better person instead of driving to a point where it's going to be problematic, not only for you, but for them, because now you're like, how can you support someone who's having more and more issues? It's like, you don't now aid it. So it's like, in that sense, I think it is a wonderful thing. And a lot of people, I think a little bit, kind of apprehensive to the idea that they could probably have an issue with the eating. It's always, no, no, it's had a bad day. It's like if the bad day keeps happening every single day, well, something needs to change. It needs to be looked at. Yeah, like if if, if a bad day is turning into a bad week or a bad month, something ain't right. And also, like you can't the biggest thing for what i say to my clients is if they've had say a less nutritious meal and that's the way i phrase it to them well why don't you try 
and win the next meal? Why don't you try and say press reset for the next meal? And if you've potentially overindulged quite a lot on less nutritious food, well then potentially just reduce your intake for the next kind of couple of days by a couple of hundred calories or a hundred calories and just make sure you're getting plenty of veg and protein with the next kind of couple of meals. Mm. It potentially I'm oversimplifying it from someone who is who has struggled with mental health when I was at my lowest, I went the other way. I didn't eat. Yeah. No wonder I went down to like 64 kilos for five foot 10. I wouldn't advise that to anyone, but I was that, I was that like, I, because I was so wound up, I was unhealthy. Mm. I wasn't really eating. Some people will use food as a crutch the other way and lean on it when they're emotional. Yeah. And that has stemmed from, you know, yourself when you've read Sapiens, it stems from when the cavemen or the cave women haven't eaten for ages they don't know when their next meal is going to come from and then just ramming a load of berries and meat into their mates that's where it has stemmed from so there is a reason for it yeah and it has happened but the biggest thing that i try to say to people when they're struggling with their mental health or any condition and is that somewhere along the line in the history of the world or at that moment in time someone else has the same thing going on in their life Mm -hmm. and they have managed to get through it you are not alone you have a family you have friends you have amazing charities that are out there to help you with this kind of stuff and mental health. You got counselors, you've got so much information, but it all, you have to want the help. You have to want to be helped. And you also have to want to try and tweak things. And what I'm saying, I'm not using the word change because change is a negative connotation. It's trying to tweak things at a pace that suits you rather than going with this gung ho mentality that I see particularly women go to when they are going on diets mm. they've come from these backgrounds of slim world or weight watchers of not being taught how to eat having these negative connotations toward food calls good or bad foods or sins and no wonder the fitness industry the health industry is a little bit askew at the minute because so many people have relied on those for many years and it's only now in the last kind of 18 months where the language the the kind of the 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 culture around kind of food is changing it's going to take a long long time to tw- to change it mm. but let's just hope that the people who are trying to change it will knock that on to their the next generation and then the next kind of couple of generations afterwards will be a little bit more comfortable in how they want to feel how they look like mental health issues are always going to be there that's that's just that's just going to be there mm. but it's about trying to help as much as we can and trying to put one foot in front of the other yeah, I think that's the biggest thing that uh, a lot of us don't want to accept that it's just the simple step forward is really what it truly takes to make some of the biggest changes. Yeah, I think we all, like we were talking off air about our own training and stuff like that. We all want results yesterday. Yeah. But it's it doesn't happen like that. If, if it did, everyone would be looking the way they potentially idolize or whatever body shape or body body uh, body kind of look that they want that's not the way it was you don't know what that person's story is as well you don't know where that person started from you don't know what their background is and i think it's it's really really important that you enjoy your journey it may go slower than you wish but it also didn't take you two days to put the weight on it took you potentially a lot longer than that to put the weight on. So it's understanding that and also understanding the difference between weight loss and fat loss, which I think a lot of people do struggle with that whole, well, if the scales are telling me something, well, then 
why why am I close shrinking and why is the scales going up and all this kind of stuff and it's there's a lot of miseducation I need to start somewhere I need to start in the schools mm. I think too many people are taking a lot of BS off Instagram social media is amazing for that kind of stuff but it's taking the information from the right people and if it, normally if something is too good to be true and they're offering you 10 stone weight loss in eight weeks uh, it's normally too good to be true yeah 100 percent also the negative effects that usually come from that is what people often don't want to think and about. the aftercare yeah it's like hey look i can i can achieve this it's like yes some of these things are possible yes we're manipulating certain variables to get there but what happens when you stop what happens when you're doing this what changes because you decide to take said approach i think that's what a lot of people don't look at when it comes to approach born when it comes to dieting it's yeah, let's just create a calorie deficit. Yeah, we know the calorie deficit is going to help you lose weight, but what approach are you taking? Because it does truly matter based on the person. It's like we could have given somebody a tracking approach and like we've seen it and the person starts getting all over the place and starts getting neurotic on how they look at food. We could go hey, to someone else and go, they're tracking. And the person can go, yeah, cool, done 12 weeks, done one year tracking and then just pull away from it and everything works. So it's like the approach does matter. It's like, don't think of it as in, oh yeah, I just want to get to the X goal as quick as I can. It's like the approach of the journey, all these things do matter. And that also like leads into a question I would ask, you've been training women for a while now. If you had the ability to truly go back in time, what would you actually change about how you see women, train women, think about the things that occurred with them? What would you do differently? From when I started training them or from in general? Well, just in general. I think the biggest thing that I would probably do is try to have some sort of education system for them to understand that it's actually the probably the most natural thing in the world to have a menstrual cycle. Mm. And you need to understand how to work your body. You need to understand how, when to kind of operate your body and be able to push your body. If you don't understand how your body works, you're never going to have complete control over it. You're never going to understand your mind. You're going to let your mind win and you're never really going to let your, you're never going to be in control of what the most important thing for yourself is, which is you. And I think that is a massive, massive thing that a lot of girls kind of struggle with, which is trying to accept themselves. And I think once you accept what's going on internally and mentally, it's not as easy as it's, as I'm making it out to be. Don't get me wrong. Mm. But once you accept yourself and understand what you are, what's going on hormonally, internally, whether you've got PCOS or endometriosis or anything like that, once you understand that and know that you're not alone on that journey, think things can change and the light can shift and you can understand that it's actually okay to to feel the way you are at kind of certain times and it's actually normal to feel that way and i think that's probably the biggest thing that i would change yeah i, I like it it's you're giving people what they need you know you're not serving them something that they don't want it's like you're actually serving them something they need that can not only change their life but change everybody else's lives as well i think that's a big thing I'd yeah i i think i think once you have I think you if if once you have the right tools, you can build anything. And I think if your foundations, which is the ultimate understanding of your body, are correct, 
then the cracks won't, won't appear. Mm. And if you have the tools on top of that, well, then you'll, you, you will build something that you're, you look forward to building. You will build something that you're looking forward to creating and you will build potentially the mind and the body that you're looking for ultimately. Yeah. Love it. Um, before we finish up, um, can you please tell the wonderful audience on where they can find yourself? First of all, thank you so much for having me on. Um, so people can find me on at Shane Walsh Fitness on Instagram. They can head over to the website, which is www.shanewalshfitness.com. They can listen to me if they want to continue to listen to me on the Shane Walsh Fitness podcast, which is up on iTunes and up on Spotify. Um, and yeah, it's been it's been amazing to to finally get this this booked in and recorded yeah it's been an absolutely pleasure I would, like for anybody who's thinking of going to listen to shane highly recommend it from someone who knows so much about training women but training in general and having some of the most awesome guests on and just being an absolutely general top look it's like thank you so much for this shane thank you so much steve i really, really appreciate it Guys, thank you so much for listening to that episode. If that was your first time, second time, third time listening to that episode, thank you so much. I would love to hear your feedback. I'd love to hear any messages that something you've learned or lessons you've taken away from that. If you're a man or a woman, whatever it may be, or a coach or a PT, if you've learned anything from that, that's the reason for recording these style of episodes. As always, guys, your support has been amazing. If you can please support it as much as possible. There's, a, there's exciting things coming up and I, and I want to try and push this as much as I can with the energy levels that I want to try and promote as much as I can, try and promote the podcast, try and promote a proper message that people will learn and listen to. So if you guys have taken anything from any podcast or any episode, please do tag myself up on your story and feel free to tag Stephen as well up on your story and Derek. Uh, it would be very, very much appreciated or leave a review up on iTunes. Thank you so much, guys, for listening and I will talk to you very soon.